Good morning. It's time to wake up, y'all. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern sports talk. Good morning, Mr. Justin Waller. Good morning, and I don't know much, but I know one thing. A fridge going out an hour before Monday night football is about the worst timing possible. Thank God for beer and ice. I could kick that can to today. <laughs> and a that, cooler. I salvaged that just <laughs> That just sounds like it's time for a uh, good old-fashioned buffet. Uh, hi, I'm Mac McGee. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Urban Meyer coaching rumors are back. Austin, Texas, and Southern California getting your medications ready for Meyer and bail money for his recruits. I am going to be your new boss. <laughs> it's my greatest dream come true. Welcome to the hotel hell. Check-in time is now. Check-out time is never. Does my room have cable? No. And the sheets are made of fire. Can I change rooms? Sorry, we're all booked up. Hell convention in town. Can I have a late checkout? I'll have to talk to the manager. You're not the manager, even in your own fantasy? I'm the owner, the co-owner, with Satan. Okay, just so I understand that in your wildest fantasy, you are in hell, and you are co-running a bed and breakfast with the devil. Yeah, but I haven't told you my salary yet. Go. $80,000 a year. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. Hey, howdy, hi, top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Radio Show. I'm Mac McGee sitting alongside Justin Waller and Stephen Trost. Justin, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, Mac. If anybody listening out there uh, has access to kick this out of a refrigerator, inbox me this morning. I need the damage on the right-hand side looking at it. It'll be hidden perfectly, so just I don't mind if it's got a dent. going to be an expensive day. And, uh, Steven, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. It was a really rough night trying to, you know, actually stay up and watch that uh, game last night. But somehow I made it through and I'm here today. Okay, I'm, I'm putting out here, can everyone hear uh, the show? Because I am trying something different with the audio today and didn't have a chance to uh, uh, troubleshoot it, so to speak, last night. So I'm going to hope that... People can hear us, and if they can hear us, someone will give me a heads up and a yes. Um, essentially, I'm trying to take the speaker background out uh, while, while we're talking. It'll have to be there during the breaks. But um, Bears-Vikings, let's go ahead and get into that today uh, as it uh, is a pretty good ball game. A um, little more offensive output from the Vikings receivers than I expected. Um but all in all, the Bears' offense is just in such disarray. I mean, you're talking about a team that didn't score an offensive touchdown last night. They, their, their entire offense was Cordell Patterson taking it to the house on the kickoff. So what say y'all on the, uh, on the other um, going forward? It looks like Nick Foles will not, at least won't be able to play this week. There's conflicting reports on whether or not it is a 
long-term injury or a short-term injury. Last night, we heard that it could be a long-term injury. This morning, we're hearing it could be a short-term injury. Regardless, it looks like Trubisky, if he's healthy, would be the guy. If not, just I'll throw this to you. It's the Tyler Bray show. We thought that was over. What say you? <laughs> uh, and yeah, I can hear you on the app. I can't verify the other platforms, but uh, loud and clear. On Tony and Brian both chimed in and said that they can't hear us and that it sounds great. Gotcha. I, I was just a little concerned when I transferred over. I mean, you have to hope for Trubisky as your, your number one overall draft pick. He gets a chance to go in after being benched early in the season and redeem himself. You, you got to hope you turn something around right there, correct? Um, and Nagy passing off the uh, offensive coordinator or the play calling to uh, his quote-unquote offensive coordinator really didn't show up as anything different in the game plan unless I, I missed something there. Um, I, I really didn't see a difference. Steven, what say you? Yeah, I mean, touching on what uh, Justin said about uh, like Bill Lazor, I mean, I saw it in Miami. Like, like Brian can speak on it when he saw it in Cincinnati. Lazor is not that great, of a, not that great of a play caller as is. But yeah, I mean, like you have to give um, Trubisky the shot. I mean, even if Foles comes back healthy, you have to see if Trubisky can do anything in these last few games. They're saying it's a possible hip injury. You know what I thought it was, man. It looked like another clavicle injury. The way he was slammed yeah. down and it was his throwing arm. I was like, man, that dude's done. He is done once again. And somehow it was the hip. It looked like his his shoulder took all, all the weight. But um, it's just terrible. I don't know if, if the play calling is being hampered because of the quarterback situation or what. But regardless, they... They've got to try something. They're five and five now. Minnesota is four and five. They're on a three-game winning streak, by the way. And this is going to start getting hairy because Minnesota's actually moved up to ninth in the NFC playoff standings. It's going to be a tough road for them to get into the playoffs. But if we end up getting another COVID shutdown, they're going to ex- extend it to eight apiece. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for Minnesota to sneak in the back door of the playoffs. And I guarantee you nobody wants to face the Minnesota Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. That's for sure. With that offense and that defense starting to play a little better, um, I, I wouldn't want that if I were sitting there and I were the uh, you know the Packers or the or anyone in the NFC West or the Saints or you know it's just it's just it's they they pose so many problems, but as far as the Bears are concerned, you're sitting there at five and five. You've got a chance. I believe they go into their bye week this week. Uh, with that being said, you've got to start getting W's because you've got you basically have a six game season now, and going three and three is not going to get you in. In the NFC, I think you're going to have to at least go nine and seven. They might even have to go more like uh, I don't know if they would have to go. Four and two down the stretch might get them in, but they might even have to go five and one. And at this point, you drafted the guy so high, you got to give Trubisky another shot. And then if if it if it's done, at least you know what you're doing going forward next year. If you're Nagy and company, assuming he keeps his job, which I, I think he will. Um, on the other front, the Dolphins are red hot, five and zero oh in the last five games. Obviously, three and zero oh with Tua. Justin, uh, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what are you seeing out of the Miami Dolphins right now? Well, I mean, I don't get to see them very much, but what I see is uh, two is exactly what we thought he would be. He's a gamer, and uh, he was going to transition well into the NFL. That that play uh, 
he made Sunday where I'm assuming, I don't know if it was a fumble or an interception. I didn't get to see the game live where he ran down the field and actually tackled the guy and, and got stopped the play. Um, it was kind of the play we saw last year when Ryan Tannehill kind of took over this team against the Raiders and he threw a pick and went down and speared an offensive lineman. You you just don't see things out of quarterbacks that show us a leadership skill set that, that Tua has that I, I think he's going to bring great things uh, to the Dolphins organization. Okay. I mean, that's my main takeaway is two as a leader. Okay, so now we got our resident Dolphin fan here. I want to get his take on it. I can tell you were pulling stuff up on your computer, so that's why I was, went with Justin first because I, I can tell you're about to go full, you know. <laughs> we'll go ahead and drink the Kool-Aid. Tell us why the Miami Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. I mean, like, it's the fact that Flores and uh, like is not asking Tua to do too much. I mean, they have a very solid defense. The offensive line has been killing it. I mean, they they plug and played Salvan Ahmed, like I, some guy, a guy I'd never even heard of before last week. He went off for 85 yards and a touchdown. I mean, just the the team is stepping up as a whole. They're doing a really good job of you know putting two in the best position to not make mistakes. It's just like like in years past, that game against the Chargers would be one that we would always lose. Like we'd go in that in that game expecting it to win. And then it just always be always be a disappointment, and it just this team just feels different. Like what Flores is building there, it just it it feels different than like a lot of teams in the past. The Dolphins are really building something special. Well, look, I said all along that I thought uh, Flores was the right was the right job. Uh, sorry, the right choice. Um, I think he's going to be the only disciple of Bill Belichick that's actually going to do something. And he seems, he reminds me a lot of uh, Mike Tomlin in the way he's a no-nonsense guy. He builds his team around defense. And you could tell if there's a leader in the locker room, I think it's probably Flores off the jump. And when you can have your head coach be that, I think it's a great thing. That's why the Steelers are so good. That's why the Titans have been good over the last few years. I feel like Mike Vrabel, when when your head coach is the number one leader in the locker room that's always a good thing because that continuity doesn't change and that defense of miami is being extremely underrated they've played very well they've played a tough schedule they have a tough schedule and i think i I think the dolphins are going to find a way i don't know if they'll win the division but they're going to find a way to get into the playoffs as a wild card at the very least especially if, if we end up getting extended to 16 games other news and notes speaking of miami the miami hurricane football game for this weekend has been postponed so uh they've moved the georgia tech game that was scheduled for this saturday to december 19th the same day as the acc championship game uh that's kind of a slap in the face there uh Steven, because they're basically saying we don't expect you to be in the ACC championship game, or either that, or, or we expect you to play a split squad scrimmage, to, you know, be at two places at one point. Um, their November twenty eighth game against Wake Forest is now scheduled to December fifth, and their their game on December fifth with the North Carolina Tar Heels has been moved to December twelfth to accommodate those games. I know, get your pen and pad out. Uh, Wake Forest will now play uh, Louisville on the 28th, a week earlier than previously scheduled. Western Carolina will play 
North Carolina, that's the big one, uh, moved up to uh, December 11th. It's a good thing they got that thing squeezed in there with no fans in the stand. Make sure you get the Western Carolina game in. And Louisville will play Boston College on December 12th, moved back from the 27th. So I hope you got all that because we won't be going back to that because I'm not going to keep that article up. Uh, but anyways, uh, unfortunately, Miami won't play this week. But um, – they, w- they will get the games in, so th- that is the good news. Let's take a quick break because when we come back, we have got college football, excuse me, fantasy football to talk about. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio, the Armchair Quarterbacks app, and Facebook Live. If I can just get this thing going here, we'll be good to go. If the two of you got through 2020 together, you can get through anything. This holiday, make it official with a stunning engagement ring from Shane Company. Create your unique ring in three easy steps. Simply pick a setting, choose a natural diamond, ruby, or sapphire center stone. Then add your own touch, like a decorative crown or a personal engraving. Here's another option. Select one of our perfectly preset engagement rings. Each of these rings is already set with the shape and size center stone that our designers envisioned, which means that your ring will be perfect. Because our quality standards are the highest in the industry, we're able to guarantee your ring for free for life. This year and every year after, we'll be here for you. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Open weekdays 10 till 8, Saturday 10 till 5, and Sunday noon till 5. Make contact. A collective psychosis is sweeping the nation. We're in the thick of the haze craze, and Elysian is introducing an altered state of IPA. Contact Haze is a tangled chemistry of mild haze, low bitterness, and an explosion of hop aroma. This hazy IPA bursts with notes of bright raspberry, currant, citrus, guava, and passion fruit. Available in six-pack cans in stores and in all Seattle Elysian locations. Make contact. It's important to remember the value of taking time for ourselves, to do the things that help us grow and explore, like learning something new. And now with the Great Courses Plus, it's never been easier to experience the joys of learning. The Great Courses Plus offers thousands of streaming videos that cover hundreds of fascinating topics, from World War II to choosing the perfect wine. You can even take a course on the U.S. government or dealing with stress and anxiety. And because The Great Courses Plus partners with world-class professors and experts, you're always receiving thoroughly vetted, high-quality content from every lecture. Plus, you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with The Great Courses Plus app. So take a little time for you. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today for a free month of unlimited access. Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio to get started. That's the Great courses.com slash radio you're listening to the armchair quarterbacks on cbs sports radio Let me go now on sunday mornings at a new time we're going 11 a.m eastern 
to noon Eastern with the NFL Fantasy Football Stardom Sinem Pick'em Show. We do DFS, season-long fantasy, and we keep a winning record against the spread. 11 to noon on Sundays, the armchair quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Riding shotgun here with you as we get rolling here on a busy Tuesday morning in the world of sports as we've got a lot going on and a little time to get into it. So let's go diving into the... uh, First of all, we want to talk about players that we are just absolutely done with. We're, we're done with it. We're, you're now sitting, you're going into week 11. You got three weeks left in the regular season in most instances. you At this point, you can no longer say he's going to turn the corner, right? He's, I mean, come on. what The corner is no longer there. You, the, the corner's in your rear view at this point. So, wanted to start with uh, Justin. Justin, where are some fantasy players that you're like, you know what, I just, I've tried to hold on to this joker, but the first time I get a chance to pick up someone better, I just can't have this guy's dead weight on my roster. I can't pick up any better. His name's Michael Thomas. (laughs) It's week 11 and he has 15 fantasy points. I mean, what the (laughs) heck? (laughs) What else can I do, man? Um, I... And now with the breeze, and, uh, and I'm Jameis Winston's playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so he'll be throwing to the wrong team. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jameis. Uh, this was the opportunity that uh, we all said Jameis would come out smelling like a rose in this uh, when we compared him and Mariota and their their situations. And uh, boy, here it is. Uh, it's right in front of Jameis. But uh, Thomas is going to be on one uh, for me, and uh, we're going to rotate it back around. Yeah, uh, Stephen. Give me your first, uh, I'm done with this guy. Marquise Brown. I mean, just the whole Ravens passing offense in general. I mean, like, it like reminds me of uh, Kaepernick's been. second season. You know, like Greg Roman, Greg Roman was the OC, tore it up in the first season. Defense started to figure it out. It's kind of the same thing happening there. It just Ravens offense doesn't have that magic, and Marquise Brown just can't get open for the life of him. I'm going to piggyback on that and say once, and I've said it twice, and I'll say it again, J.K. Dobbins is a bust this year. I still think J.K. Dobbins has incredible talent, but kind of off of what you just said about the Ravens offense, there's really only one guy worth having in that backfield, and he's the quarterback. Everything else is such a crapshoot. What did he have, five rushes for 13 yards last week? The week before against the Colts, 12 rushes for 30 yards. And I don't want to hear about how, well, they really like him in practice, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is you take away that 113-yard performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers a few weeks ago. He hasn't even cracked 50 yards the entire season on the ground. 50 his biggest output was what week two when he had two rushes and he had that one long rush to get him to 48 yards rushing. So you can't keep running a guy out there. And the problem is this. You say, well, maybe he can, he'll turn the corner this week. Maybe he'll turn the corner when he plays the Steelers again. You know, the Steelers are going to be harping on that. They're not going to let a kid do that twice to him, right? They're going to make anyone but JK Dobbins beat him. And 
with the with the Tennessee game, I don't know. Maybe you could get lucky, but what's more likely to happen now that Ingram's back? It's going to be too many, too much timeshare, and you're going to see him make a one one decent run. You're going to get excited, but he's going to finish with four fantasy points, and you're going to be pissed off on Monday. Uh, Justin, who, who's your next guy? Uh, I'm gonna stick with wide receiver, and uh, it's gonna be Mr. Kenny Galladay. Um, same scenario. I mean, I'm 66 points in. I can't get healthy. I can't get consistent scoring. Uh, just uh, it's been a rough season, especially when that was a that, that's my one-two on the same roster, and uh, neither have shown up. So it's been a rough uh, rough go. Stephen, what say you? It hurts to say this, and it's not like kind of like you said with Dobbins is not due to talent, but uh, Mike Gesicki. He's just not getting the consistent volume, even with even with Tua being there. I mean, Durham Smythe and getting he's getting work. Adam Shaheen is getting all the touchdowns from the tight end position. I mean, tight end is a barren wasteland, but there's still better options out there than Guy Gasicki. I was gonna go. I'm, I'm I'm sticking with the running back theme. I was gonna go with uh, Jonathan Taylor, but I'll put him off to the side because I just I think I've said enough about Jonathan Taylor in the past because. He's basically in the same situation that Dobbins is in. He's a, he's a rookie. He's talented, but he's in a crowded backfield, just like Cam Akers. I could put Cam Akers on the same exact uh, list, but instead I'm going to go Leonard Fournette. In a game where they won 46-23, to 23, he had eight rushes for 19 yards. You can't keep putting a guy out there because what is a better game script than to be winning – to win a game by 23 points on the road than to have your power back involved, right? And pretty much, he's he's becoming, strangely enough, their, their uh, pass-catching option. And we all know you don't want to rely on who Tom Brady's going to throw to on any given day. So I'm about done with Leonard Fournette. There's a few leagues in these like really, really shallow rosters and deep leagues that I'm forced to carry him. But in the others, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to say goodbye at a moment's notice. Uh, he's just, I, I've lost all anything that, that would make me think that he's going to turn the corner. Okay. So now we're going to go into our six pack to go as, uh, we get this rolling here on a, uh, when we're getting ready for Wednesday, Waiver Wire Wednesday, so we'll get this rolling here on a Tuesday morning and uh, start a little. Uh, turn that down a little bit. Um, Justin, what's your first uh, waiver wire pick of the week? My first one, I'm going to go, and I'm in between two Packers here, but I'm going to go Lazard. I think Lazard will uh, take a lot of MVS's. Uh, catches even after I think MVS will be the uh, hot commodity this week after that four reception 149 yard performance this weekend. But uh, I'm doing this for two reasons. One, because you obviously need some wide receiver help. But uh, moving forward, uh, they've got a favorable playoff schedule, the Packers. And if you can work them in there, there's a week 16 matchup against the uh, the Titans. So uh, very favorable for Packers week 16, which should be championship. Got to get there first, though. So. Steven, what say you on, on your first pick? I mean, running back running back has just been a really weird position this year, so I'm going Salvin Ahmed. Kind of touched on it earlier, 21 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. He had eight, like all the red zone touches for Miami. He had uh, played 76% of the snaps. I mean, he ended up having a top 10 day. And the next three games are against the Broncos, Jets, and Bengals. You couldn't ask for a better schedule. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Pittman as my first one. Uh, he's, he's showing some promise. Now, we don't know what's going to happen, and that that's a crowded receiving field. And if uh, Philip Rivers decides to be Philip Rivers in a few weeks, then it, then it's all going to be for naught. But as of right now, he's looked pretty good last few outings. So Michael Pittman would would be my number one if you're looking for receiver help. But I wouldn't I wouldn't drop someone that is uh, steady Eddie for him. I, it's more of an upside, especially like in you know deeper leagues or whatnot. Uh, Justin, what say you? I'm going to go running back with uh, Neham Hines of the Colts. And I know Taylor's in that backfield, but going against uh, the Packers this week, uh, we know that Hines is their pass catching option. So I think Hines would be the uh, running back to stream out of the Colts' backfield this week. He he also seemed to be who, who they preferred in the backfield in general too, didn't he, against Tennessee? I mean, it, and of course – Obviously, I don't you, have his rushing stats, but I have Taylor's in front of me. He only had seven rushes for twelve yards, so they obviously used him more than that. To your point, well, it's a well, it's also the point. We, what I saw a lot with him was they he was involved in a lot of the the uh, play action that they were doing. So even when he was in, they the opposing defense must must think that the rush is coming. Right, uh, you're not doing. In other words, you're not doing play action with Boston Scott. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of my point. Um, Steven, what say you? Michael Pittman was going to be my second one. He's He was one of my favorite receivers coming into the season, and he looked every bit the part on Thursday. But I'm going to go uh, Jacoby Myers. He's really sh- like shaping up to be an alpha receiver. He's leading, I think he's leading the league in target share the past few weeks. He's got 5 for 59 with that touchdown pass on a Sunday night. He He's the number one receiver hands down out in New England. I think he should be he should be one of the top priorities on the waiver wire. Uh, I'm going to go with old famous Jameis Winston. The one thing we know about him, you never know if you're going to get the W in real life, but he puts up fantasy points. Normally because he throws interceptions or whatnot and puts his team behind the eight ball and they got to come roll, roaring back, he's going to have a lot of talent out there. So I, I like his chances to uh, – to ha- have some good games while Drew Brees had the, if for people that missed it, had uh, a collapsed lung and uh, fractured ribs on both sides. They're saying best case scenario, three weeks. I don't see how he comes back in three weeks. Anyone who's had cracked ribs, man, three weeks, and he had a collapsed lung, and he's like 60. They're gonna, That's some Steve McNair stuff right there if you pull that off. That is going to be a picture of him sitting, especially if they continue to win and stay in the playoff hunt and lead their division. They they don't bring Drew Brees back until they absolutely have to. Uh, Steven, I know you got to uh, take off. What is your walk-off for the day? I think Dolphins are like in a real position to make a run. Like They, might, may, they may not make the Super Bowl, but... I think they have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs, depending on who their matchup is in the first round. I lost you somewhere, Steven. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. What would you say about the Dolphins not making the Super Bowl? They may not make the Super Bowl this year, but... Man, I lost you again. I don't know if that's your audio. Justin, are you there? 
Yeah, I got him. I, I, I've got Stephen Loud and Clear. I thought you were messing with him because he said the Dolphins on the run to the Super Bowl, but not get there. But um, no, I, I hear him. I, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> it, it's an internal error over here. Okay, that that was my fault. Okay, I'm still trying to learn how to how to how to uh, maneuver this. Um, all right, brother. Well, we will see you Sunday morning for the uh, Stardom Sitem uh, DFS Pick'em Show. By the way, we're two and zero. Oh uh last weekend so we're now would you say we are 18 and 10 now 18 and 10 64 percent i mean on sundays that's hard to believe that is hard to believe yep. you know it's one thing to be 18 and 10 in football it's i always feel like college football is easier to project than nfl 18 and 10 i kind of hate keep bringing it up because i'm expecting a nine game losing streak at any moment but uh Maybe we'll be aided by that if uh, Sean ends up missing again this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. We'll see you next week. We're, we're going to be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. When we come back. The Braves made a signing. Who are the Mets after? And what's going on with the South Carolina football coaching search as we roll on on a CBS Sports Radio Tuesday morning. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? No, I gotta get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine. It's just, it's not worth it. It's not. Fantasy Sports is back, and it's time to jump into DraftKings. Go to DraftKings today at DraftKings.com. Golf, NASCAR, soccer, you name it. And of course, Major League Baseball, basketball, hockey, and football. Go to DraftKings.com. Listen to the armchair quarterbacks for DFS advice all year round. Armchair Quarterback Radio. We cover the world of baseball from start to finish. Bayerga is 0 for 3. Left center field. Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. A liner off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Brocious fittingly with a throw. The Yankees have done it again. Number 24. They are the world champions of baseball in 1998. Chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth, game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs. Armchair. Anyone got a stapler? Got a lot of forms, and there's a slight reason here. Because paperwork is dramatic. Catch it Thursdays on Weasel before it catches you. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays. Drive time? Find the Armchair Quarterback Show on Facebook today. If dating is the game, then marriage is winning the game. Yeah, if you're playing in the women's league. <laughs> Armchair Quarterback Radio Show. We cover the whole SEC all season long. A first and goal. Franks. Jump pass. Hello, Tebow. From going deep. High arcing shot. It is hard in. Terry Godwin. And he stays up. Godwin dances into the end zone. 75 yards. Talk about all 
flushed out of the pocket. He'll run with it. He's got the first down and more. Still on the run. He is gone. Touchdown, Alabama. Second down and 10. Garantano over the middle. Ty Chandler. It's a race to the end zone, and he wins it. 42 yards. Touchdown, Tennessee. What a great. This is Armchair. Welcome back here the Armchair Quarterback. As I'm still trying to figure this out, I think I've got an idea, but I'm I'm not going to try to do it during show because I feel like I'll start a small forest fire over here. Uh, Justin, uh, assuming that you can hear me and all. Um, <laughs> got you loud and clear. Uh, let's get into the fact that the Braves inexplicably signed Drew Smiley. I swear that sounds like a game show host. Uh, Drew Smiley uh, to a one-year... $11 million deal. What gets me is that Braves Twitter and everything was bragging about how this is his best year he's ever had. It was 26 innings. He had 26 innings and they want to jump up and down. Like he's like, like he's recreated, uh, you know, like a second coming or something. It's like 26 innings. I can't buy into this. $11 million is not terrible going rate. Obviously when you're, uh, the going rate nowadays for the one year deals is what eighteen? It's almost nineteen million this coming year. I think it's eighteen point nine or eighteen point eight. But I, if they're doing this, what I hope is, if you're a Braves fan, that this spells them trying to save money and going after Ozuna, because there are reports out that the New York Mets are going after Ozuna very hard and. That would be concerning, obviously, if you're a Braves fan for two reasons. A, you lose Azuna. B, you lose him to a league, I mean, excuse me, a division rival in a team that we've talked about this, uh, you know, just the past couple weeks or so, that the New York Mets are going to spend money and they're not going to be afraid to spend money. And if they can go out and improve their team, they're going to do it. And I think essentially what they would be trying to do is put Ozuna in the same slot of where uh Cespedes was so what is your first instinct on this entire thing well <laughs> that was about the uh most depressing news i've gotten because i was like who and uh started looking numbers uh it felt like we re-signed king felix again you're like oh that's cute way, way to sign another old guy not exactly what i was looking for to bolster the the uh rotation i mean considering he was zero and one with a three four two era and his five starts and two relief uh, appearances this season but if you go back he was four and seven in 21 starts and four appearances for the rangers who released him and then philadelphia picked him back up and then you go previously before that uh, when he was at detroit and tampa never had a winning season in either one of them and anthopolis says it's great upside i have to read it i can't do this justice uh, obviously we'll find out eight months from now 10 months from now how it worked out but we think drew has tremendous upside he's only scratched 
the surface. The lefty has abandoned his chamber. We feel like he's just about to really emerge. Your internet band's going in and out. Um, I think what Sorry you're, about that. You got me now? Yeah, I think essentially what you were saying was that Anthopolis is saying that he's just scratched the surface. He's got a lot to, to you know, that, that he's on his way up. Well, he's 31 years old. What the hell are we talking about? He's 31. He just abandoned the changeup. Now, granted, his curveball and cutter better be spectacular because, uh, I mean, what, what else is he going to change levels with? And uh, I don't know. $11 million for a uh, sub-500 winning pitcher is uh, not Do exactly you, by the way, have in front of you what he averages as far as a fastball? Because I've never known him to be a hard thrower, but I, I Drew Smiley's never been around on a team that I've, I've followed a whole lot. I've always been aware of him because of fantasy baseball, et cetera. But I've always looked upon him. 94. Okay, so he throws a little harder than I thought. You know who's the first person that came to my mind when we signed him? I was thinking more of a Tommy Malone, which they tried this year that was an absolute disaster. That he was just out there. He, I mean, he was basically throwing batting practice. So 94 gives me a little uh, more of a cause for optimism but still he's still back into the rotation he he's the number five guy that's going to be an innings eater the whole point of this thing is that i if they're not going hard after ozuna then what the hell was this because don't try to sell this to us as, as your big sign right oh it's definitely not i mean i don't know that we fully need one but i wanted something a little better i mean what, what soroka freed if we lock up ozuna i don't have a problem with them going with with this rotation right because we should have Soroka by opening day is what they're saying now may you know it may not be exactly opening day but basically we're not going to lose him you know they're not expecting him to not not be there till August or something crazy so you're going to have Soroka obviously freed obviously Ian Anderson and then I think uh Bryce Wilson showed in the playoffs that he can be relied upon and it Jesse correct me if I'm wrong but if I'm the Braves don't you start seriously thinking about just putting Newcomb back in the bullpen where he was phenomenal two seasons ago and quit screwing around with this, can he be a starter crap? Because he obviously can't. Yeah, I'm glad you threw Bryce Wilson's name out there. I was sitting here trying to think of it. I was always saying, you know, the guy that looks like Kenny Powers came out and <laughs> lit it up in the playoffs. The guy that looks like uh, Casey Camp. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Wilson is going to be the emerging number four. You're looking for an anchor, somebody to put in in the fifth. Uh, maybe Smiley fits that mold, but uh, I feel like it's a 31-year-old project. I feel like we just came off a project with Cole Hamels who hurt himself with a yoga ball. So um, I'm, I'm just a little gunshot right now. Uh, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but basically because you're – internet band kicking in and out uh i, I got to laughing this morning on, on the new york show that i watch so i guess they just recently started going back into the studio into new york city boomer siasen and the gang and uh boomer's been in the studio for several weeks but he's been there by himself and they finally decided okay it's safe for them all to go back in and so the guy that he's in there with geo this is his first week back in the studio and what is this tuesday morning uh, they were raising Kane about the whoever's in there on Monday nights, I guess was in their studio. Cause I guess they, I guess because they're big time, they have a separate studio than what the night crew has or the, you know, afternoon crew. So they've got an actual studio that's, you know, you know, looks really sharp and they've got all the stuff hanging out. And I guess the rest of the guys do do their show in some little 
basement or whatever, you know, at the same uh, uh, building. But for whatever reason, those guys were in their studio last night and they, and there was evidence of it. There was it because they left like crumbs and all kinds of junk and, you know, uh, you know, uh, empty soda cans and Anyways, they didn't clean up after themselves. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic in their New York City. And uh, the uh, <laughs> the guy, Gio, who's only been in there for now two shows after eight months, uh, uh, <laughs> gave a shout out to his wife. He says, he goes, fire up the big Wi-Fi because I'm heading back home. I'm, I'm doing this thing back home. I'm not going to sit in here in some COVID environment. <laughs> And this guy has uh, let himself go like he's gained 50 pounds and he's also got like a mullet kicking and he refuses to cut it. Anyways, it's a whole thing, but that just made me think of it. Uh, you know, fire up the wire, <laughs> you know, the, the big Wi-Fi is I'm coming home um, with the Braves. If they don't sign Ozuna, this will be a disaster of an offseason. Because I don't know who they could sign in replacement of him and expect the same kind of offensive production. Because what Ozuna gives is he gives someone to have to pitch to Freddie Freeman. He does, but if you're not locked into a D8, unless I've missed it the past couple of days, we still don't know, right? No, we or still don't know. You can't lock in that defensive. I, mean, I know you need to keep him from the Mets. I understand that, and you need to be. But in you play, do but believe that he, we're going to have it by twenty twenty two. That's that's almost a slam dunk, because the I mean, CBA. I, I wish we wouldn't, but I'm, I guess the international league guy in me is hoping that, that it's going to happen. Get it. It's going to happen. I know it will, but the, I, the I CBA would... expires at the end of next season. That is going to be their biggest bargaining chip to say, "Hey, we." We are going to uh, get get this thing signed by extending the DH because it gives them an, a, an extra full time job, right? And thirty extra full time jobs. So they're going to get the the DH is coming. It's just it is. I just uh, we fought off with it. for fifty years and we fought the good fight, but I'm telling you, it's coming. And to even argue it, and I know the Matt Wilbanks and whatnot are going to at me with you know. We should not be doing the DH, and I refuse, and I won't. I won't bow. And but it's coming. It's just it is. I I, I hate it as I much mean, as I, you. I know, but I, I hate. I, I think it's the best policing in Major League Baseball, in the National League, and interleague. It's gone, especially when they happen in National. My League. hope is in my lifetime, I don't see several designated hitters. That's what my I, my concern is: is that we get into a situation where. Uh, I made the joke on Facebook with, with, with my buddy James the other day. It was his birthday, and you know the old two dudes from the Muppets. Uh, I put I put that picture on his wall and said, "In it showed him laughing or whatever." And I said, "You know, this is us in twenty twenty five years sitting in a bar where and I and I gave an example of why we'd be pissed off at every single." thing in sport and one of the things i put out was that we had a complete dh lineup in other words you had designated fielders and you had designated hitters and that and it would go to like the sport of football because people that don't realize just before we came along and started watching football college football was was iron man until like the 60s it was i, I think it was early 60s i think 65 was the first year that that they got a uh basically they allowed the expansions of the rosters and they got rid of Ironman football. So we're not that far removed from that. 
um, that's my concern is that we're going to end up with every single player. Hopefully that never happens because I think the head hunting will stop if uh, you continue to allow pitchers to get into the batter's box. I mean, there's always a thought that, Hey, I got to face this guy and, and, and that enters your brain before you release that pitch. Right. But it's over it. I mean, this is one of the, this is one of the casualties of 2020 is that we've lost that argument. If there's too many fans, too many young fans that enjoyed it, I'm telling you, we've lost the argument. Us old curmudgeons are going to sit over there and say, get off our lawn. But it's just, we've, unfortunately, we've lost it. I agree with everything you're saying. But Why is it better? To, I mean, I, I just I wish someone could truly explain this to me. Why is it better to change the rule and make everybody a hitter than to have a pitcher? I mean, what's wrong with the mad bums of the world? Because baseball, like every other sport, is going to the world of analytics and the analytic nerds have more power than they've ever had. And they are looking at it as you had a better chance of scoring and more chance of offense production, which they believe is going to lead to more people watching than a two to one game. They want to see a seven to five game. You and I know that's horse crap, but that's, that's what their belief is. And, in a room where the, those decisions are made, I'm telling you, there's two of us and there's 20 of them, and we're going to lose the argument. And then, and then you have the people that grew up on the American League that think there's nothing wrong with it. And so th- it's already split there, and then you allowed it to happen this this uh, this regular season. I put in quotations because it was only 60 games. But with all that being said. You allowed it to happen. People saw what it could do. And so now I would say there's about half the National League fans that now want the DH because the younger National League fans, I'm just going to tell you off of what I see on Braves Twitter every morning. Most of your National League, I guarantee you if I put a poll up, in fact, I'll do it today, but I guarantee if I put a poll up, we're going to see that the National League fans are going to uh, be pro DH, the young ones. I, w- I wish you could put like a, <laughs> you can't vote on this if you're over the age of 40 kind of thing. I, mean, I will put this caveat. The only way I would back down from that argument, if I am a diehard National League guy and, I, and you were involved in that negotiation, you're giving my pitchers to stick them. That's the only way. We're going to go to a universal stick them and you can have the DH. And that way well, my I mean, I mean they might Carolina. as well because they're all using it. You might as well have something that's quote unquote legal and at least it's uh, across the board. At the same token, I want my batters to have uh, pine tar up and down the bat. <laughs> let's just have it. Let's just have Stickham and Goo just slapping all over the field. Who gives a damn? I mean, it's like I said. I, I said this twenty years ago uh, on a on, on a radio station uh, in uh, uh, Gallatin, Tennessee, and uh, we were talking about the steroids that were being pretty obvious. This before the Mitchell report happened, and I remember someone asking me, and I've I've said this since along the way, but they asked me, well, don't you want a true game? Don't you want, you know, a pure game? I said, man, let man, man, inject that crap in all their butts. I want them foaming at the plate. Like they got rabies and ripping the ball over the wall. Who gives a damn? I don't care about their health. They obviously don't. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Albert Bell can be the new bat maker for the Atlanta Braves while we're at it. I just, I, that was right around the time that they had just started putting, 
uh, fantasy baseball on the internet as far as making it easy to play as opposed to the difficult way that we used to have to play it. And I, I was getting hooked on fantasy baseball. I was like, whatever, dude. <laughs> let, let them jack them. I don't care. <laughs> they, they can worry about their own health problems down the road. They'll definitely have the money for it, right? Um, anyways, uh, moving on from that, the South Carolina, uh, they, they obviously fired must champ a few days ago and do, when do you think that they're going to pull the trigger because i pulled this up the other day because i was curious they have moved the uh, early signing period but it's still it's december 17th and 18th is the early signing period so that is like two days before the last well before the uh it's three days before the college football playoff committee picks their teams but a couple of days before championship day. Um, I'm glad you got to piss people off down there in Columbia. I mean, the, the school's reporting like $53, $50 million shortfalls this year due to the COVID. And uh, now they're going to pay Muschamp $270,000 for the next 49 months to not coach. That's a heck of a buyout. <laughs> yeah, it is. It makes you wonder to think that they've already got someone in place. In other words, someone that you don't do that to bring in, you know, Bobo Malone from your know, North Texas Christian Union. I, I, well, I mean, you do bring in uh, Hugh Freeze from Liberty. That's, and I think that what... might be the writing on the wall. Um, he was kind of vague. Uh, he was asked yesterday. I don't know if you heard it, but he – how did he phrase it? Uh, I hate I don't have it in front of me. But it was – nobody spoke to me yet. Or I, I'm here. He didn't have anything worked up. But he worded it into a way yesterday that he was, uh, hey, if you if you want to talk to me, I'm here. Um, he, he just said nobody had shown interest and reached out to him yet. But – the, the, it was the context and way he said it where it was an open invitation of, hey, if you're looking for a coach, I'm available. By the uh, way, I I did want to mention this before I forget. I'm going to try to mention it every show. We now have a new call-in number. And uh, you can now call into the Zoom if you ever want to call in. But it's a little confusing. So the number is 646-558-8656. Then it's going to ask you for the ID number because that number just gets you into Zoom. The ID number is 802-009-5534-POUND. Now, I will be posting that on the on the thread. I don't expect anyone to remember that crap, but I will be posting that on the thread uh, every show going forward. But um, I, I don't I know if the dashboard shows it, but you do have it as the uh, name ID on the uh, icon on the display here. So right. hopefully that shows up for uh, four folks. I did that. I did that for a reason, right? For that, for for the times that I, I forget. And now, if you hit the call button on the Facebook page, it will call directly to the Zoom number. But then you have to put that number. In. I was trying to set it up. You know how you can set up your phone where if because uh, I've had these for conference calls over the years where I'm like, oh God, I have to remember this. No, you can actually set it up where you can call a number for your conference call, and then you add a comma, and then it dials the extension for you all in one fell swoop i tried that and zoom doesn't allow that yet so um anyways i tried to make it easier for the folks but they they were anti that but anyways uh, i'm not going to brow people to death with it but i do want them to know that because we've been having issues when they call in on that skype number y'all can't hear what i can hear 
right? And so that's the issue. And so uh, uh, Casey Camp called in the other morning with Carr, and the team was called in with you last week. So I uh, disconnected that number uh, from from my computer. So if anyone wants to call in, that that's what's going to happen. But it'll eventually be on the moniker uh, when you pop on. It'll see that. But this is the first day, and I wanted to kind of play with uh, a couple other things. Um, the other thing that that, that I'm going to ask you about, we won't have to get a chance. By the way, if, if people that missed it, I'll probably talk about it next hour, but college basketball uh, has said that they're only going to play in one uh, uh, area for the uh, tournament, for the NCAA tournament this year. The Final Four is scheduled to be in Indianapolis, so they're talking with the state of Indiana being able to have – all 68 teams play somewhere in the Indianapolis area because they're trying to put uh, take uh, the the whole travel issue down. So, I, I mean, I get that. But what I want to throw at you uh, before you leave on, on the same South Carolina topic is, okay, let's say Hugh, Hugh Freeze goes to South Carolina. I'm not even worried about Liberty because Liberty's got money and Liberty's going to get themselves a decent coach. Where does Muschamp go? Because that's a good defensive coordinator. And if there's a team that needs defense, well, I mean, there's several teams that need defense. Could you see him going back to Gainesville as a defensive coordinator under Mullen, or do you think he's got to go somewhere else? Is that too weird? I don't know. Um, Personality-wise, Muschamp just don't seem like the guy that would go back to a place that – he was ran off from. I just, right. I, he just seems to me like he would come across that way. I, I don't really know. Maybe it was mutual and it was good terms, the parting of ways in Gainesville. I, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. The first school popped in my head for some reason was Texas. <laughs> my man seemed, seems like uh, that seems to be a good place to revive and go back, team up out there. But uh, we'll see. Does he want to go to the NFL? The Titans could use him. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of college hell. If he if he really wants to stick it to the Gators, Georgia. I, I I guarantee you Florida State, I guarantee you Florida State Nation right now would take him as a defensive coordinator in a drop of a hat. They're they are done with this defensive coordinator that uh, Norvell brought over. He is just awful. I don't know if Norvell, I don't know if there's that going to fly next Gator coach on the staff. I don't, well you know it's happened both ways. Assistants. Okay, you've never had like a Gator as the head coach at FSU or vice versa. In other words, when people would talk about, and Spurrier could come back and coach floor saying like, dude, that's not happening. Especially that guy. That guy's not going to be the coach. There's a lot of ex Gators that could coach at Florida state. Steve Spurrier's not one of them. I'm just, I'd pay money to hear Bobby Bowden's response to that. What do you think about this, Bobby? (laughs) It would be like the equivalent of Muschamp going to get going and taking over the university of Tennessee after all the years of him talking crap to the Tennessee crowd and whatnot, Tennessee wouldn't even have him on his list. And that's and this is this is about the time when Bowden was retiring. They, they didn't know if it was going to be Jimbo or not. I'm like, it's not going to be Steve Spurs. Stop it. It's just not going to be. Um, but Muschamp as a coordinator, I, I could see that. Because I'll tell you what, if he could turn that around, man, he, he'd be in Hassie for about 12 months. And he'd be on to the next gig. I think his best bet is to go be a coordinator somewhere in college, turn it around, and then and then jump off from there. Because right now he's kind of damaged goods. He's not going to get a big job, right? Uh, the 
the rumors about I, – I know I said it in my opening statement, but the rumors about Meyer going to Texas are were swirling, and it's pissing off Herman. Yeah, I saw lots of uh, interviews with Herman here uh, the last couple of games. They're on a three-game winning streak, but they're five and two, so they don't feel like that that's good enough. And remember, Herman was Meyer's assistant, so that's being bled into uh, the the vernacular as far as – could Urban Meyer come back? Would he take his old assistant's job? Would he be willing to get him fired? You know, whether there's bad blood there or not. But also, I still say there's a good chance USC. Because I have watched Urban Meyer for two weeks now talk about USC because they've had close wins in both pregame and postgame, basically saying this isn't going to get it done at Southern Cal. You've got to do this. You got and I'm t- the way he's saying it. If you read between the lines, it's dude, you're on thin ice, son. You better win out because I'm about to take your job. You're correct that that's probably more realistic of what would happen. But just the inner, uh, I like to watch chaos uh, unfold. Uh, I'm secretly rooting. He winds up at Michigan. My like, man, this will be funny right here. <laughs> That, that 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 would be funny because it's not like he's an Ohio State graduate. So nope, yeah, you know, not at all. But man, would that be hilarious? You want to ruffle some feather, feathers and get people in Columbia so oh, butter? Man, oh. oh man, well I love to see that anywhere he ends up at, it's going to be good for college football. Uh, not not for your program. He's going to bring nothing but a den of disease and just turmoil within five years. But you're going to win football games. But the fact that we're – I mean, we're not going to run out of stuff to talk about. I know that much. Urban Meyer, whether he goes to Michigan, Ohio State's right there. Whether he goes to Texas, he, he, all, he all of a sudden makes the Big 12 relevant. And if he goes to Southern Cal, he, he, he puts the Pac-12 back on the map for the first time in 15 years. You know who could just change subject? And I don't know why it hit me in the head, but uh, Muschamp to Ole Miss seems like a good pairing. I think Kiffin Anywhere. and uh, Muschamp's could uh, really cause some havoc, and he needs some help on the defensive side of the ball. As, as big of an offensive guru it is, without Monty on the sideline, Lane uh, just really hasn't established defenses. Anywhere he decides to go, any defense is perceived as struggling. You're on notice right now because you got one of the best defensive coordinators in the country that will get the most out of his players. Now, maybe he's got to the point where he says, I can't work for anyone and I've got to be my own head coach. And he takes a lesser hell. <laughs> maybe he goes to Liberty. I mean, they just, well, he's making 270 G's a month to do nothing. He, he got time, <laughs> right? He might decide to go, ah, do I, ah, uh, maybe I don't need to have you know, take a job this year. Join the SEC network and talk trash about Tennessee all day long. Yeah, well, watch his face <laughs> flipping around with his hair hair all mobble and bobbled, and you know, and he can slam Tennessee every time he gets a chance, right? Um, I don't know if he would be good television though, because he seems like he he seems like the type that might get in fight in a fight with the freaking makeup lady. You know, He's, <laughs> I just don't see him playing well with others. Uh, what is your walk off, sir? I'm about to go stimulate the economy and make it rain at one of these big box stores. So, um, here's to my new appliance suite. How does a fridge turn into an appliance suite? You got to love marriage, but, uh, here's to that. <laughs> big box score. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, hey, the, the hardware stores headed to, uh, pick up oh. some appliances this morning. So, 
we'll check them both out and uh yeah a single fridge has turned into i need all new i mean it's turned into the stove you know you got to get the whole set because i'm like well can't we just get one that matches what we already have well i really want another color i'm like well they're really not broke i mean (laughs) they really still work can't we just grab the one that was on the side of the road that i saw that the college kids didn't want the other day can i just go grab that one (laughs) hey that that i'm cool with that in the garage that's that's my my beer cooler but uh but we all know how the wives like are you you know they give you that yeah the the wife ain't allowing that like they look at you like are you serious right now i'm like okay so I'm like, hey, they sell, like, you could just cover that up. They, they've got stainless steel adhesive. You can put it. My wife's like, you're not aluminum full of the dishwasher. You're buying new appliances. Like, yes, ma'am. I'm headed to the store. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll see. Uh, any idea what this is? No. It's the Chicago Blitz. They were the USFL. Uh, for some reason, one of my favorite teams when I was a kid pre uh jacksonville jaguars i think it had a lot to do with the fact that blitz and for some reason when they played a lot because obviously they're playing in april it there was always a blizzard and i always thought of blitz blizzard whatever but uh this is the chicago blitz i'll uh tell people about them in the next hour um yeah man uh good luck on finding there there should be some black friday deals out there right uh there are um but uh you know got to go adulting and measure things measure twice buy once <laughs> trust me i've done that the wrong way <laughs> well more than just appliances all right <laughs> what she said. talk to you later all right brother we're gonna be back in a flash here on the armchair quarterbacks keep it locked in here to cbs sports radio you're listening to the armchair quarterbacks radio show cbs sports radio You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. The Milwaukee Bucks. Fast break. He starts a fast break. The Milwaukee Bucks, having promised back-to-back MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo a reshaped roster for the upcoming season. They pull off a trade Monday night as the Bucks reach an agreement on acquiring two significant players, New Orleans Pelicans guard Drew Holiday and Sacramento's forward Bogdan Bogdanovich. The Bucks made a significant case to Antetokounmpo about why he should sign the five-year Supermax extension that will soon become available to him. After executing the holiday trade late Monday, the Bucks and Kings reached agreement in principle on a sign-in trade that will bring Bogdanovich and Justin James to the Bucks. Last night, the Vikings beat Chicago 19-13 to pull up to 4-5 and and 3-2 and in the division. They were helped by an incredible catch by Adam Thielen. They were helped by an incredible catch by Adam Thielen. Cousins forgetting about the field goal. Thielen one-armed, able to bring it down for the touchdown. You see him just take off, little jab inside, go outside. Buster's trying to play the eyes and hands. He gets kind of lost, and Adam just makes a great one-handed catch. The Minnesota Vikings have now won three games in a row to move up to ninth in the NFC playoff standings. The Chicago Bears fall to 5-5. You have a doubleheader of MAC football tonight. 
The first one comes on at 7 o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Buffalo 2-0 against Bowling Green. At 8 o'clock on ESPN, Akron is at Kent State. Kent State is also undefeated. Ohio versus Miami has been canceled due to coronavirus issues. And that's your Armchair Quarterback's wake-up show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. Hey, what we always call on the game, PlayStation game, what's up, what we always call? Head to tail on the PlayStation oh, game. Tail. All right, then. You should have told him tail. I thought you told him. No, I told you. I thought you knew the best team always. They don't play the PlayStation like us. Don't miss a moment of heart-stopping NFL coverage on Armchair Quarterback Radio. Riggins. He's going to go all the way. Unless Blackwood can catch him and he can't. Third and three. We'll see a pickup sometime on the right side possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Mark Clark. Only 12 seconds left to play third quarter. Here's Marcus Allen. Cutting back upfield, and Marcus Allen could be gone. 74 yards for Marcus Allen. The quiet man of this football team, Scott Norwood. He can fire the shot heard round the world now. Here we go with eight seconds to play. High drama here in the Super Bowl. But in the air, it's got the distance. Armchair. This helpful instructional message from the National Association of People Who Have Trouble Walking and Chewing Gum at the Same Time. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Look, I wouldn't be telling you to bet mybookie.ag if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with mybookie.ag. Promo code SKIN, that's S-K-I-N. When you use that promo code, mybookie will match 100% of your deposit up to $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SKIN. He only has three rings. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio's number one sports station. The Armchair Quarterbacks got you covered. Don't miss a moment of Armchair Quarterbacks Masters Week. Arnold Palmer is the Masters champion of 1960. He has birdied the last two holes. One of the greatest displays of courageous golf that anybody has ever seen any place. Maybe. Yes, sir! There it is! Can you believe it? Nick Maldo! There it is! A win for the ages! Is it his time? Yes! Oh, my goodness! Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Week-long coverage of the Masters here on Armchair Quarterbacks, CBS Sports Radio. They don't play the PlayStation like us. They don't play it like us. I thought you told them. That's what I said. <laughs> they don't play the PlayStation like us. <laughs>
They don't play it like us. Cowboys like us sure do have fun racing the wind, chasing the sun. Take a long way around, back to square one. Today we're just outlaws out on the road. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Riding with you on a uh, Tuesday morning. So it's an interesting story, the Chicago Blitz team. For people who are not aware of how this team came about, uh, they were a team in the USFL from 83 to 84. They had an owner that was a, I believe he was a, he was like a heart surgeon or something like that. And he lived out in the Arizona area. Now, there was an Arizona team called the Wranglers. And this is their logo, okay? I don't have room to... I, I pulled the, the the camera closer to me. Now I no longer have room to show both. But there's the Wranglers, and there we have the Blitz. We'll see if that actually stays on top of each other. That's probably going to crash. But, you know, that's just uh, good live television there, right? Uh, or Facebook Live, whatever you want to call this. For those that are listening on CBS Sports Radio and want to know what the hell I'm talking about, we have a Facebook Live, and the Facebook Live is every single uh, every single morning as well on 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. It's called the Armchair Quarterback Wake Up Show. So, You've got the Chicago Blitz, and you've got the Wranglers from Arizona. And this is one of the strangest things that happened in the history of sports. I was going to bring this up to Justin Wall, but we, we got all, off on the track of the baseball, and then, of course, uh, Must Champs. I didn't have time to do this, but I thought this was interesting. I thought that maybe people would want to know this, because I remember this as a kid, but I had to reread the entire thing because I was like, man, I did not realize it went down that way. So... The Blitz were start struggling at the gate, and the owner was wanting to be hands-on for whatever reason, felt like he had to be hands-on. And the Arizona Wranglers, they were owned by a man by the name of Jim Joseph that had lost a lot of money just like the owner of the Blitz, and his name was uh, Ted Dietrich. So... You have the 83 season and the 84 season in the USFL, which were pretty popular, but they weren't doing well at the gates. The television ratings were actually pretty good, but back then they did not have a great television uh, contract. So though the ratings were good for the, the USFL, they should have secured a better television contract and everything would have been fine. And that's where the new XFL needs to learn from this. But anyways, this is what happens with the team. In the 84 Blitz, or at the end of the 83 season, going into 84, both guys decided that they wanted to switch cities. And as opposed to just bringing the names differently, because they don't only built the team off of one name, right? What they decided to do instead was to take the Arizona Wranglers roster and make it the Chicago Blitz roster and take the Chicago Blitz roster and make it the Arizona Wranglers roster in general. So after the 83 season, the first season, 
what you then had was basically two owners trading entire franchises. So if that makes sense, the 83 Blitz got up and moved to Arizona and the 83 Wranglers got up and moved to Chicago and they just assumed the same jerseys. They had a lot of the same coaches. The only way that Dietrich would uh, agree to this is that he wanted his head coach to come with him. Who was his head coach? George Allen. And George Allen obviously is a storied name in the history of the National Football League. Remember, he, he uh, amongst a lot of things, he coached the Over the Hill gang in 1972 all the way to the Super Bowl where they eventually lost to the Miami Dolphins. Who was the Arizona coach that then began became the Chicago coach in 84? You might have heard of him. A man, a young man at the time by the name of Marv Levy. So it's one of the most interesting stories in the history of sport and that's why I love the USFL. It's filled with all kinds of things like this. But two franchises essentially got up Changed locations, changed jerseys, changed owners. It's extremely strange. It would be like the Atlanta Braves deciding, you know, their ownership group deciding they want to be in New York and the Mets ownership group decide they want to be in Atlanta and they flip-flop rosters and coaches and everything, but they keep the same jerseys in the city so it doesn't become the New York Braves and the uh, Atlanta Mets. They just flip-flop the, the two franchises. Can you imagine being a fan back then of those of either one of those teams? Who do you pull for? Your first year? You really got into the Chicago Blitz and George Allen and your you know things are going and uh they actually weren't terrible that first year. They were 12 and 7. They just didn't have a lot of fanfare at the gate. The next year they were awful, but they were a totally different roster under Marvel Levy. They went 5 and 13. Yes, you heard that correctly. They used to play 18 games in the USFL. I loved it when I was a kid. It was my favorite league. I absolutely loved it. If it would, if it had held on, I would have been a diehard Jacksonville Bulls fan my entire life, and I probably would have been uh, a contrarian to the National Football League. That's how much I loved it as a kid. People who didn't grow up in that era, especially if you weren't young in that era growing up, you don't understand the love affair for the USFL. There were a lot of players that left the USFL that went on to greatness in the National Football League. And you know, a lot of the names are well-known. Some of them aren't. But guys like Herschel Walker and Doug Flutie were in the NFL along with Gary Clark. And there was a host of linemen. There were a lot of good linemen and defensive players that started in the NFL, excuse me, in the USFL that ended up littering the entire National Football League for the next several years. So anyways, I, I just, I like to do some USFL history every once in a while, and I think it's pretty uh, interesting across the board on USFL because it is a league that could have been great, and they never took that final step to greatness. And for people who hate Donald Trump, you can blame the demise of the USFL on Donald Trump because he got greedy. He was young. I mean, my God, what was he in his 30s in? But he was absolutely behind the fact 
Because Trump's always been about business, right? And he was trying to make the point that the National Football League had a monopoly on television. Back then, I think it would have been... Fox was not big time, so I believe it was CBS and NBC that carried... Yes, it was CBS and NBC that carried the games. Uh, back then, when I was a kid growing up, CBS was actually the, the NFC channel. NBC was the AFC channel. And that had gone back for several years because NBC was with them in the AFL. They were trying to create another USFL. What... I mean, another AFL, essentially. I think what the actual end game of the USFL owners, when they tried to leave, so, so they went 83-40-5 and trying to go into the 86th season, they were trying to elbow their way in, and they, they famously had the lawsuit that the judge ruled in their favor and said, yes, the NFL does have a monopoly on television. And this is a famous lawsuit because this set a lot of precedent. It said, yes, they have a monopoly, but it's because they choose. These stations choose to carry that product and not your product. Now, I think a way they could have been around it, if they would have waited a few years later, Fox Television came into its own. And if the USFL would have waited a few more years in the spring, Fox Television probably would have been, because they were up and coming, right? They were the ones that brought in The Simpsons, the Tracy Ullman Show. If they would have played their cards right, the USFL would have been on Fox, I guarantee you. And Fox would have laid a lot of money to be the exclusive rights to them. And whether or not they would have went into the Fall, who knows? What, but it would have been up to Fox, and they would have been paying a lot of money. But what they tried to do, the USFL owners, it wasn't just Trump, but he was leading the way, is they tried to elbow their way into fall football. They won the lawsuit, but the judge gave them $1. That's right. They win the lawsuit, $1. So there you have that. Um, an interesting article I came across this morning was players and I and I'll I'll go out there and get some of these guys opinions down the road on what you know what they think about this but the best players on each individual franchise that are not currently in the Hall of Fame now some of them you have to put an asterisk on because they're not eligible yet like David Ortiz was the Boston Red Sox guy well, he's not eligible yet. David Ortiz is going to the Hall of Fame. Let's get that out there in the open. Edgar Martinez kicked in the door finally of the designated hitter. There's no way David Martinez doesn't go in. Excuse me. David Ortiz doesn't go in very first ballot. But the Blue Jays, uh, Dave Steeb, 175 wins, almost 3,000 strikeouts. That is... That was an interesting one for the Blue Jays. I, you know, that's he was really good for a small for a. I'm not say small period of time. He was good for about a decade almost. But this is the difference between the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. Being good for a seven eight year period is not good enough to get you in the Hall of Fame. That's why I still th still say it's the most elite. Hall of Fame, even when they put bums like, not bums, overrated players like Harold Baines in because the Veterans Committee feel bad for him, they're his buddy or whatever. Even when they do that, 
it's still the most elite. It's a shame they did that because it cheapened the Hall of Fame, but you're still talking about guys that have to put on, I mean, Harold Bain still put on a hell of a, was it 17, 18 year career? Rafael Palmero is listed as the guy for the Orioles. And he's got 3,000 hits, 500 career home runs, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. And why, kiddies? Because he stood, or I'm sorry, sat in front of Congress and denied that he was on steroids, shaking and waving his finger in their face. And then a few months later, he was on the Mitchell Report. And whether you want to believe the Mitchell Report or not, it doesn't matter. Enough people do, and that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I still think guys like that are eventually going to get in. Veterans Committee, et cetera. McGuire, Bonds, they're all going to get in. But I think it's a good punishment for them to have to wait to get in to the Veterans Committee. It's like I thought it was a good punishment for Pete Rose to have to wait. But Pete Rose has waited long enough. And though what he did was terrible, and I'm not a fan of, what he did was over 30 years ago, y'all. It's, I mean, it's time to let it go. Shoeless Joe should have, been, should have been in the Hall of Fame by the time I was born. It's an asinine that Shoeless Joe was not put in the Hall of Fame by now. Uh, Fred McGriff is on the Rays. How dare they put Fred McGriff on the Rays? Fred McGriff's an Atlanta Brave, but I get it. They, they had to have a guy for the race, so they put it Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. He's right there at 400. I'm sorry, 500 home runs. He's got 493. So you're trying to tell me if he hit seven more, he'd be in the Hall of Fame? And if he had 10 more hits, he'd hit 2,500? Fred McGriff not being in the Hall of Fame is a crime against humanity. He had nothing to do with the steroid era. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe anybody, just go back to watch the tape. Fred McGriff wasn't on roids. If he was, he was doing it wrong. He was a rail his entire career. Class act, a gentleman that is ridiculous. This is when the analytic nerds started getting votes for the Baseball Writers Hall of Fame, a Baseball Writers Association for the Hall of Fame. This is when they started getting votes, and they're the ones that did not vote McGriff in because they... You can't have it both ways. You can't sit there and say that I'm not going to vote in the Palmeros and the Maguires because they cheated. But at that same time period, they weren't voting guys like Fred McGriff into the Hall of Fame because they were comparing him against numbers of guys that cheated. Oh, well, he didn't hit 500. That's the new threshold because guys like McGuire and Bonds and A-Rod are going to go flying by. Well, we can't vote for them because they're... Uh, on steroids makes no sense. It's the dumbest argument in sport. Fred McGriff belongs in the damn hall of fame. 493 should get you in the hall of fame without a doubt. If you play a 15 year career and you hit 493 home runs, that's hall of fame worthy. I think he might've played 17 or 18, but my point is what the hell do you have to average? 40 home runs a year to get in 30 home runs a year to get in. It's a little different nowadays because they're all swinging for the fences, but Fred McGriff hit for a high average and home runs. Kenny Lofton. 
I don't understand why Kenny Lofton's not in the Hall of Fame either. It's because he, and remember, he played from 91 to 2007, so that's that steroid era, right? He was not a home run hitter. He did have 100 home runs in his career, but he was not a guy that hit home runs. I mean, you're talking about an 18-year career, 100 home runs. I mean, what are we talking about, five or six home runs a year? Maybe seven on a high, on a high year, eight or nine? But he had 622, sto 622 stolen bases. He should be in. He was a little polarizing when he played. Some people liked him. Some people didn't. He didn't last in Atlanta long because he didn't fit in with their quote-unquote locker room culture. He liked to come in blasting his music, and they were strictly business. He came along to the Braves in the end of their run when guys like Chipper Jones and the in the three-headed monster that was Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox, they were the old guard, and they expected you to respect them and do as they do, and they were strictly business. And he and he famously liked to come in with a, like a boombox back in those days and just cranking music up. He'd fit in perfect with, with this year's Atlanta Braves. Evidently, this year's Atlanta Braves always had music playing. Frank White of the Royals, five All-Star games, eight gold gloves winner, eight gold glove winner. I think he's on the cusp. He he's he, he I understand is is not in the Hall of Fame. But Lou Whitaker of the Tigers, 78 AL rookie award winner. I don't know how he was only in five All-Star games cuz he was one of the greatest second basemen I've ever seen. Three gold gloves, four silver slugger awards. All these analytic nerds like to go with analytics. His 75.1 B-War ranks 80th all-time and 51st among position players. He has a higher war than Derek Jeter. When Whitaker retired in 95, he was one of just three second basemen at the time that had 1,000 runs, 1,000 RBI, and 2,000 hits, 200 home runs. The other two? Joe Morgan and Rogers Hornsby. Those are the two greatest second basemen of all time. He's the only one that was on that list at the time. So this was pre-steroid era. This was pre-a lot. You know, even today with the health and nutrition. It's a different era. You have to compare these guys on the era they played in, not in the era that you're in now. It's just like you can't what, – what if we did the same thing to pitchers? Oh, man, I can't vote you in the Hall of Fame. You never had an ERA as low as Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA in 1968. But that's what these idiot nerds on the analytics always do. They always want it one way and not the other. They don't see the double-edged side of the sword. Double-edged side of the sword, excuse me. Uh – they got Joe Maurer, but he'll be eligible in 2024. He just retired. Uh, Minnie Minosa played 17 seasons across five decades. That's who they have for the White Sox. I'm sorry. I would have to put Julius Joe Jackson as my pick. He was good, but he was more of a guy that had big moments in history and, of course, was well-revered. Because he he was one of the first Cuban natives to play in the 
Major League Baseball, but that's his facts should be in the Hall of Fame Museum, but he personally should not have a plaque in the Hall of Fame. If you've ever been, you'd understand what I mean. They're they're separate but equal. Um Bobby Gritch of the Angels is listed here. Eh. I'm looking at his stats. I'm not that one time silver slugger. I'm not putting you in the Hall of Fame on that. Uh Lance Berkman. I don't know why he's not in. He has not gotten a lot of love. Look, he had a 293 batting average, over 400 doubles, over 350 home runs, 1,200 RBI, a 943 OPS that ranks 25th in Major League history, and he still fell off the Hall of Fame ballot in 2019 after receiving only 1.2% of the vote. I think he, I think the cutoff is 5% to stay in. 25th in Major League Baseball history in OPS. And that is not some goofy, brand new analytics stat. OPS has been pretty commonplace in Major League Baseball's vernacular for about 20 to 25 years. Closer to 30, but we'll say 25 years. Hell, I remember when Bonds made his run in the early 2000s, was that 2000, 2001, when he broke the uh, the home run record, they were constantly quoting his OPS. I was fairly new to that, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" I hell, I've been I've been in the know about OPS for over 20 years. Before that, you always heard about batting average, slugging percentage, and then obviously all the other you know home runs, runs, RBI, all that. But OPS has been a calculated statistic in mainstream arguments for years. I do not get why Berkman, one of the best switcher of all time, he would he damn sure wasn't on steroids. He always looked like Fat Elvis, right? He should be in the Hall of Fame. I think the Veterans Committee will see it. I think what's going to happen down the road, now the Players Committee is stupid. There shouldn't be one. But the Veterans Committee will take a look at that down the road and Berkman will get his just due. But why does he have to wait that long? 25th in OPS? Come on. What are we waiting on? Mark McGuire, 583, 11th all-time in home runs. He'll get in on the Veterans Committee because they'll eventually forget forgive steroids. Same thing with A-Rod of the Mariners. 696 career home runs all time. Um, he'll he'll get a, he'll get forgiveness down the road. Adrian Beltre, of course, he just became eligible. Um, he is one of seven players with 450 home runs and 600 doubles. If he does not go first ballot, something's wrong. Now we get to the National League. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to the National League because there's some glaring people that I'm like, why are you not in the Hall of Fame? We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show on Facebook Live, Google Android, Google Android, Apple iPhone on the apps, and of course, CBS Sports Radio. We'll be back, y'all. Keep it locked in because the National League, they've got some glaring ones that we've got to get into. We got a tie. We need to fix it. 
We need a tiebreaker. I agree. Ties are not acceptable in fantasy football. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends, not equally as good as your friends, okay? It's not communism. We're not coveting Billy Joel cassette tapes and wearing ill-fitting blue jeans. Top Gun Supply is the friendly gun shop. They are a Glock, blue label dealer for military and first responders. So stop on by at Top Gun Supply at 525 State Road 16, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. The friendly gun shop. Proud sponsor of the Armchair Quarterbacks. Are you crying? Are you crying? Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fashion. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. Catch the Armchair Quarterbacks weekdays right here on CBS Sports Radio. The Armchair Quarterbacks, your first choice for sports here on the First Coast. Just a bit outside. Shut up, idiot. Moron! You bob for apples in the toilet. And you like it. You play ball like a girl. Come on. We'll take you on right here, right now. Come on. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays. Drive time? Find the Armchair Quarterback Show on Facebook today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. For the longest time, I've wanted to come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. But up until now, I haven't been able to find anything that held up to my high standards. I finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. My new Giza Dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. All you need to do is go to MyPillow.com, promo code armchair. That's MyPillow.com, use the promo code armchair. Or call 1-800-319-7392. The number is 1-800-319-7392. Remember, promo code armchair to get the best deal around. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. This is Britney Spears. This is what up, what up, this Jay-Z. This is Jennifer Lopez. Armchair. We were on the break! <laughs> well, I spent... Well, I spent some time in the muddy old night Watching it from the fence Oh, yeah! No, I took some loans when the mighty case struck out Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. I mean, that doesn't get your foot thumping and ready to... Man, I'm ready for the winter meetings. I'm ready to see some big moves here in Major League Baseball because I believe that we are heading towards um, an offseason that's going to be stranger than no other. There are going to be teams like the Mets that are going to go all in, back the truck up, get players and benefit on the field and then the ones that sit on their hands because they don't because they're worried about what's going to happen with the pandemic they're going to be the ones that are going to be in trouble now i get why some of them are a little worried about it because with the change of hands in the presidency is what it looks like 
Um, you could have old freaking uh, Clueless Joe shutting down everything. And what does that do for Major League Baseball come April, right? Do you have fans in the stands in April? Da, 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 da. But the good news that has come out of the vaccine info that we've gotten is that we should be getting one, two, maybe even more vaccines kicking by, I would say, end of, they were saying end of November, but that might be, that might be a stretch. I would say that you're going to start hearing big time thoughts about that are going to more likely going to take place on closer to sometime in December, maybe even in January, but the news of it's going to be here. Right. So, and knowing when you're going to get it, but news that has not been confirmed of the vaccine coming to a specific time and place is not out by the time the winter meetings happen, which is the first week of December, then it could have a big time effect on the market. Now, if you see them come out Thanksgiving weekend, right before, right after, and all of a sudden they say, look, we're going to have the freaking vaccine kicking in your hand January 1st, whatever it is, February 1st, whatever it is. For the public and the, you know, the, 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 the quote unquote essential people will have it earlier than that. Then you're going to see them go all in because they're going to know fans are going to be roaring to come back to the stadiums. And if it works out that way, baseball will be one of the very first that get the advantage of fans coming back to the stands. If we have a vaccine loaded like and loaded and ready to roll like we think we're going to, opening day is going to be lit in the National League, in the American League, Major League Baseball, every stadium you could think of. But if old Lockdown Joe's <laughs> doesn't have a vaccine yet, it, it, it could be a dicey situation. So we, we wait to see what happens there. Real quick, finishing up the National League and – Dale Murphy should be in the damn Hall of Fame. This is absurd. He's won two MVPs, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver, Silver Slugger Award winner, won the Gold Glove five times. He and Roger Maris are the only who have not been elected to the Hall of Fame after winning consecutive MVP awards. He averaged 36 home runs for six consecutive seasons. Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame. Veterans Committee style. They don't have him in because his total home run record is only 310. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he, he's got more than that. This article is wrong. By the end of the 87 season, he compiled 310. But he ended up... See, he, he never received more than 23.2% of the ballots. He finished with 398, almost 400. I'm sorry, but that puts you in the Hall of Fame. Especially when you were so good in the field. You were an MVP two times. It barely gets you in. He's not a slam dunk like some of the other guys. But he should be in the Hall of Fame. Sheffield, 509 career home runs. He'll get in eventually because of forgiveness. 
he he was one of the steroid guys. Little little surprise, Keith Hernandez is not in the Hall of Fame. Growing up as a kid, he was first base. He had a two ninety six average. He was not a home run hitter, so the one sixty two don't look at that. But four hundred doubles, eleven gold gloves as a first baseman, never been beaten. He 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 won two World Series titles. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Reardon of the Nationals, that's a huge stretch. I'm not even going to go there. Um, Jeff Reardon is in the hole very, very good. And why he's down there is the Nationals, I don't know. Uh, I guess because he played for the Twins for a little bit. But he played for the Mets, Twins, Red Sox, Braves and Reds, and Yankees. I can't, I, I can't do a big thing on him. Uh, Dick Allen of the Phillies, guy should be in the Hall of Fame. In his era, he was one of the elite players. You look at his numbers now, and they're not that impressive at 351 home runs, but he played in the 60s, in early 70s. He was the NL MVP, excuse me, NL Rookie of the Year Award in 64, AL MVP in 72. Seven-time All-Star selection. And he was on that A's championship team. National League Central, Cecil Cooper. He was really good, but I don't know if he's Hall of Fame. We'll skip past him. Scott Rowland, I still thought he was overrated because he was a very good defensive player, but his offense was mediocre at best. Sammy Sosa, he'll get in because of forgiveness. Barry Bonds, they have him listed over the Pirates. Of course, we, we would think of him more as a giant, but he'll get in. Pete Rose, we already talked about that. He should be in. Kurt Schilling should be in. Tweeting stuff should not keep you out of the Hall of Fame. Just because you don't agree with certain things that he did. The guy has a 2.23 ERA in 19 postseason starts. A 2.06 World Series ERA in seven starts. Was the split MVP in 01 when they upset the unbeatable Yankees. Remember, he was also the bloody sock guy. He was the Red Sox savior in 04. He was as big game as you get. Why Kurt Schelling is in the Hall of Fame is the stupidest thing. And it's that left-wing media crap that also bleeds into sports. Does not matter what he said or tweeted. What did he do on the damn field? And a shame on anyone who's voted against him because you don't like him politically. What a putz and a loser. And I hope karma is licking its chops ready to get at you. For some reason, they got Adrian Beltre marked twice. They've got him on the Dodgers, so we won't talk about that. We already talked about Adrian Beltre. Uh, And they got Barry Bonds on the Giants, so... And they got Sheffield on the Padres. It's the only only player next to... I mean, I, I guess this guy uh, was, was up against time and just started throwing names up there. He said, screw it. I'm just copy and pasting. Uh, the, the Colorado Rockies. Todd Helton. He's the only number retired in, in, in Rockies history. Helton has the highest B-war of in his entire Rockies organization. A 316 lifetime batting average, a 415 on base percentage, 2,500 hits, almost 600 doubles, 369 home runs. It is unbelievable that Todd Helton is not ranked in yet in the Hall of Fame. 
I had the pleasure of meeting Todd Helton years ago. I think I've told that story before. I won't go over it again, but uh, Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame. It's absurd. Also, you know, a little keynote there. Todd Helton was the backup quarterback at, at University of Tennessee to Mr. Peyton Manning. He said he saw Peyton Manning throw. He said, well, this is not what I do best. And he decided to go play baseball. The handwriting was on the wall. You didn't have you didn't have transfer portals back then. He said, "Oh, the hell with this. I'm going to go play baseball." And he should be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, he gets there. One guy wrote uh, his five best. This is uh, Mark Bowman of the five best Braves not in the Hall of Fame: Dale Murphy, Andrew Jones, uh, Gary Sheffield, Fred McGriff, who we've talked about, and Billy Wagner. Uh, Billy Wagner should get in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he should be first ballot or anything like that. I'm not crazy like that, but I think he should eventually get in the Hall of Fame. Billy Wagner was an elite closer. He finished with almost 900. Um, no, he did finish with 900 innings, 853 appearances, a 231 ERA, 422 saves, 1,200 strikeouts, but I think they're going to leave him out. Seven time All Star. The guy was elite. But I think I just don't think he's ever going to get in. Just the way, the way they think and the way they vote. I just, I don't even know if veterans committee will put him in. He's in the hall of hall. He's in the hall of very very good in their book. And I don't think it's his fault that he only has four hundred twenty two saves. He played on some really bad teams. All right, let's go ahead and start getting the hell out of here because uh, it's Tuesday and y'all got to figure out your waiver wire uh, real quick. I'm gonna throw some names at you real quick before we head out of here on the waiver wire. Uh, guys that I think you should be thinking about picking up. I think Sammy Watkins comes back this week. Keep an eye on him. Um, I'm not buying the Cam Akers stuff, man. They are just they're going on and on and on about how uh, he rushed ten times for 38 yards against the Seahawks. That's not impressive. 3.8 yards a carry. That's all of a sudden gonna blow the doors off everyone. Get the hell out of here. Um, couple other guys. You should, Keelan Cole might be a, a good player down the stretch. He's going to have a tough matchup against Baltimore this week, but he might be a decent one. Tight end, Jordan Reed should be a guy that, that should start getting targeted this week. Justin talked about Lazar, MVS. There's going to be people put, who are going to put their money out there on MVS, but I just think he's going to be hit or miss. There's going to be weeks where you're glad you put him in. I think MVS is more of a DFS guy, to be honest with you. And Gus Edwards keeps plodding along. When you put Gus Edwards in, this is what I expect from him in most weeks. He'll get a touchdown, and he'll get about 50 yards rushing. And if that can help you out in your fantasy football team, you should grab him. But if you've got much better options, don't waste your time. It's time to turn back time. Speaking of that, is that a transition as well? And uh, away we go here. All right, turn back time today. I'm going to get a device I can turn it on and off. But anyways, uh, on this date, 1976, Yankees catcher Thurman Munson, 302 batting average, 17 home runs, 105 RBS. You see what one we used to win the MVP? This is what I'm saying. You can't be so critical of the numbers 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. It's a different game. He gets 18 of 24 
first place votes over George Brett. Of course, Thurman would uh, would die in a plane crash. It's either that season, that off season, or the following off season. It's very, very emotional thing for for, for the uh, for the family. Also, on this date, 1956, Jim Brown scores a record 43 points versus Colgate. That's right, 43 points. He was also their place kicker. So he ran touchdowns. I think he ran in, I want to say he ran in six touchdowns, and then the other seven points came from kicking, but I might be wrong on that. Uh, birthdays. It's your birthday today. Well, this is a melancholy happy birthday because we lost Mr. Tom Seaver. Uh, he would have been... 76 years old today. Uh, remember, he lost him earlier in the year. Uh, famously, uh, Mets NL Cy Young winner in 69, 73, and 75. He's a 12-time MLB All-Star, obviously, in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, he was also on the Jacksonville Suns, along with Nolan Ryan, as they used to be the Mets organization. Elvin Hayes, well, he's still with us, and hopefully he has a good birthday. Elvin Hayes is 75 years old today. For people who don't know who Elvin Hayes is, shame on you supposed basketball fans. One of the greatest basketball players of all time, 69 scoring champion. He was a NBA All-Star for 12 consecutive years from 69 to 1980. So we wish him a happy birthday. Remember Jeff Nelson? He's 54 years old today, lefty. Played for the Yankees. Also, uh, I think I think Jeff Nelson ended up with the Mariners as well. Um, but uh, Jeff Nelson, 54 years old today. And Nick Markakis. We'll see what happens with him in the offseason if the Braves keep him. Uh, it's, it's a club option if the Braves decide to go on. But he is 37 years old today. And you wonder, you wonder how much he's got left. You really do. All right, we'll see you. Manana should be a great show as Thursday means Thursday night football, and you know what that means. You know what that means. It is one of the greatest matchups of, of all time on a Thursday night. We're going to get Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray. I cannot wait. We'll see you. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. <laughs> Armchair Quarterback Radio comes your way every day. Find Armchair Quarterbacks Radio on Facebook today. And don't forget to tap that app. The Armchair Quarterbacks app is free to download, and you can take us anywhere you go. You can hear the whole show every day on Armchair Quarterbacks app.
you haven't downloaded it yet, your Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone. That's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. The best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like that. I want to tap. 